Well, good morning. Welcome to Watershed. We welcome all of you who are here with us in person, all of those who are live streaming and, and perhaps watching recordings later. We're so glad and so blessed that you are here to come and join us as we uh, meet, meet our Lord. Um, he is the light of the world, and we'll be celebrating that light. And uh, we just want you to take a moment right now just to reflect on how Jesus is the light of the world and how we want to shine that for the world to see. As we continue to worship, we invite you to stand with us and uh, join us as we continue worshiping.
one that is the light of the world makes the darkness tremble. I'm so sorry about that. I, I queued up the wrong track. This is new for me. I'm so sorry. We're going to move on to our next song. Thank you to Ellie for, for soldiering on through that with the wrong cues and all that coming up. Um, we're learning. So here's, here's King of Kings.
bit. You may have a seat as our children get ready to head off to children's ministry. Just want to again send you with this blessing. May you grow in the grace and the love of Jesus. You can head catch up with Miss Lori. And as they're heading out, what's up? Doing good? Yeah. There's so much. I want to get back to the days where you can like high five, because this would be so great to do the five line, right? I know they want to. I know I want to. We'll get there. If you'll join me this morning uh, in a word of prayer today, let's pray. Our God and Heavenly Father, thank you that you are the King of Kings. Thank you that you are sitting on your throne, and God, we have nothing to fear in this world. It seems like there is. There's a lot of brokenness, as we're going to talk today. God, there's a lot of darkness uh, that takes place, a lot of things that mess with our lives and mess up our lives. But to know that you're still sitting on the throne, you still hold the world in in your hands, you still hold our lives in your hands, you still hold us close to you, even though we may be walking in that valley of the shadow of death. Lord, we know that uh, that darkness doesn't win. We know that because your light has come in Jesus. We know that, that you have shown up in this world You went and defeated darkness itself. Your light shone so deeply in that darkness that, God, it couldn't comprehend, it couldn't overcome, and it had to give way to you. And we know that that darkness in our lives has to give way to your light. So God, keep shining, shine bright today, shine into our hearts, uh, Lord, as we hear your scriptures. God, continue to shine. in Anthony and Sarah's life this morning, God, continue to bring healing to him as he continues to be in the hospital. Uh, Lord, this has gone a lot longer um, than anticipated. But Lord, continue to place your hand upon them and, and bring your healing, your strength. God, it's great to see that your light shining for Kelvin uh, and Crocker's dad and that you're bringing healing for him. But Lord, continue uh, to shine bright, continue to strengthen him. Lord, for Brian and Jeannie, uh, God, Brian needs that healing as well. So, Lord, shine bright. Heal him, strengthen him. Lord, restore them to strength. Again, God, thank you that you never leave us alone. You never leave us in the dark. You never leave us by, Lord, ourselves. You love us. You are with us. You hold us, you sustain us, and you walk with us through, and you will walk with through life into eternity with us. So God, we praise you, we honor you this morning, uh, we give you the glory for being the King of Kings, the light of the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we're continuing our Lent series. Lent, again, is a time before, before Easter where we, we think about uh, that we are dust, And it is God, it is in Christ that we have life, right? In the very beginning of creation, God took the dust, formed it, and blew his breath of life into us such that we became alive. We live, we move, we have our being in him. 
It's, it's he who animates us. It's he who saves us. And so we, we continue to focus in on, in this season, as we prepare to celebrate Easter, Christ not only going to a cross, but having victory over death in order to bring us into life. We're, we're thinking about the fact that Jesus is actually God. The he is, is this I am statement. God, uh, way back in Exodus, says to Moses, when Moses says, so what's your name? You know, who are you? God says, I am. Basically, I will be what I'm going to be. <laughs> I'm self-defined. You don't define me. Uh, but I'm going to show you throughout life, throughout ages of life, who, who I am. And Jesus comes and he reveals that this very God who showed up to Moses in a bush has shown up to people, uh, has come and taken our skin on and become a human being. And, and he has these statements where he says, I am. Uh, we've, we talked about the I am in the first, uh, first message. We talked last week about him saying, I'm the bread of life. I'm the one who fills you, fulfills you. Today we're talking about him being the light of the world. As I was thinking about this, um, I love Star Wars. So I won't go too, you know, nerdy on you this morning with Star Wars. Um, but uh, one of the things that Star Wars, I think, does really well uh, for us is capture the theme of light and dark, right? The light side and the dark side. Which one are you on? Growing up in the original trilogy, I mean, that's Star Wars. I mean, come on, right? Anybody else? Right? The original trilogy, four, five, six, like this is... It was very cut and dry, wasn't it? I mean, light, dark. These are polar opposites. One of the things that I like, though, about um, the, the newer Jedi, you know, Jedi and, and Sith and understanding, you know, Star Wars culture, and some people are going to contend with me because I'm going to bring up the last Jedi right now. Like, so if you know Star Wars, you know this is like the, one of the most debated movies, that and Jar Jar Binks. So, We'll, we'll leave that aside. But one of the things that I love about The Last Jedi, don't crucify me, okay, <laughs> is that they help us see uh, that maybe this light-dark thing isn't just so polarized. Maybe it's not just light over here, dark over here. Maybe actually darkness pervades every aspect of life. It touches on topics like human trafficking and slavery. It touches on topics like arms dealing and, and that, you know what, both sides of, of the fight aren't necessary, they, nobody has their hands clean. And the reality, I think, for us this morning as we read the scriptures and dive in is this, that darkness pervades every aspect of humanity, life, and creation. We cannot get away from the darkness. We can't get away from sin and its effects in our lives. No matter how hard we try, no matter what we do to try to be good, we can't run from it. Which means we need to be saved by someone other than, someone greater than, someone more powerful than we are. Right? Because we can't run from the dark, we need God and His grace to rescue us. That's where we're going as we think about Jesus as the light of the world. No, He is not Luke Skywalker. He is someone greater. So we've been in the book of John. John is the fourth book of the New Testament. So again, kind of in the thin part of our Bibles. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Today we're going to read from John 8. A couple of weeks ago uh, when we talked about Jesus saying, I am, 
This was centered in and around the Feast of the Tabernacles, and this is in that same setting. So let's hear God's word this morning. John 8, starting in verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am, there it is, in Greek, ego emi, I, I am. This should perk up their ears, it should make them go, ooh, what are you talking about? It says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now the Pharisees challenged him, those religious leaders who were there. He's in the temple court right now. He's, here you are, he says, they say, here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony's not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. Why? Because my test, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I came from and where I'm going. Verse 15 says, you judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one, but if I do, my decisions are true because I am not alone. This is why he says, my, my witness is valid. There's always two of us when it comes to me. He says, I stand with the Father who sent me. When he says, I am, I am God, that means the Father is with me. So anytime I say something, my testimony, what I say is valid. They needed two witnesses to, to speak truth in a courtroom in that day. I mean, we need the same today, right? Now, sometimes that doesn't always happen, but that's why they're saying, you're, you're talking on your own behalf, and, and Jesus says, no. I'm talking, and every time I say something, it's like the Father is speaking as well. He is with me. He says in verse 17, in your own law, it's written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I'm one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Well, then they asked him, where's your father? He says, you don't know him or my father, Jesus replied. You don't know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you'd know my father also. Now, he spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour, his hour had not yet come. He hadn't given himself over to be crucified yet. So Jesus is standing in the temple courts. He's teaching in what would have actually been known as the woman's court, which is sort of outside of where the sacrifices were made. And in the women's court was also the place called the treasury where, where people would bring their offerings. But what's unique about this setting where Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and we get this weird dialogue of his witness and the authority of what he has to say, there would be four huge colonnades. And in, in, in the Feast of the Tabernacles, which is where our story sits, takes place, which, by the way, had just happened. So imagine now this feast had just taken place. Jesus is coming on, on the day after the last day. These four posts with four bowls of oil would be lit. Now, I was thinking today I'd cut out all the lights in the room. The problem with doing that is there's still light that comes through the windows. There's still light. We'd have to be unplugging things left and right. We can't do it. In our culture, our world, we aren't real good with darkness, right? We live in a lit world, and no, I don't mean lit in that way, right? We have switches all over the place. We have LED lights on our phones. We can light up stadiums, you know, when we're 
going in some good anthem rock, right? We, we have, at night, we, we stay up till all hours of the night where in their day, as soon as night came, it was time for bed. Could you imagine that? 12, 14 hours of sleep? <gasps> right? They lived in a world that was not lit up. So at night, life stopped. But not in the festival, the feast of the tabernacles. Not in this festival of lights. Not in this day where they would bring the, the harvest in and see this God who provided. They lit these, these huge posts up at night and it would light up because Jerusalem is made up of a lot of limestone and limestone's very reflective. So as they would light these now 16 bowls, four pillars with four bowls, the city would literally just light up. And it would take them back to the time in the Exodus where, where God not only had rescued them but carried them and led them through the desert as this light by day and by night. So they would know that God is the light of the world. God is the one who's leading us. God has taken us out of the darkness of slavery and captivity. He has rescued us and he's bringing us to a promised land. Right? They would light this up. And here, Jesus, when the lights go down, when the light was put out, Jesus steps in and says what? I am the light of the world. Right? You can flip the switch off, you can put out the bowls with oil, you can ex- extinguish the flame that brings light even in this utter darkness, but here I am as God to lead you, to rescue you, to walk you through the wilderness. Because you're caught in darkness, because you think that you know and yet you're missing what's taking place. You're celebrating this life and yet sin and darkness has broken in. The next set of verses, we hear a whole conversation about sin. But Jesus coming as light is trying to bring life to the people, trying to bring light to the darkness. So what is darkness? How does the scripture help us understand the darkness that Jesus comes to bring his light in? I want to read some different verses and touch on some different things. So darkness first is a lack of knowledge, ignorance, and folly. Ephesians puts it this way. They are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. This is what Jesus is confronting with the Pharisees, the religious leaders, a hardening of the hearts of, I don't want to hear you. I know what I know. Don't come in and tell me something that I don't know. (laughs) You can't possibly. You're not, you don't have an authority. You're only speaking on your own behalf. And Jesus is saying, no, I'm trying to actually help you understand. I'm trying to help you see. But the people didn't want to. They were stuck by the hardening of their hearts. And the scripture tells us what? We're ignorant then. Having lost all sensitivity, Ephesians says, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. They are full of greed. Right? The darkness in our lives affects us and comes to us in a way of ignorance, in a way of folly. How many of you have ever made a foolish decision? Anybody? <laughs> right? Anybody ever make one of those boneheaded moves? Uh Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. You're talking to the king right here of boneheaded re. I don't even know if that's a word, but I'll I'll say that. (laughs) 
right? I'm, I make poor choices. I lack understanding sometimes. I don't always know everything even though I like to think that I do. Darkness affects me. Darkness affects us. It creates a lack of understanding and folly. Darkness also leads us to immorality as Ephesians leans into that, right? We give into the sensuality of our desires. We give into the things that we, we lust after, we, we set our hearts on. And in that immorality, we make evil decisions because evil is anything that is not of God. It's counter to him. Immorality leads us to evil and fear. Proverbs 2, 12 to 15 says this, Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse. Right? You ever have some of those conversations you regret? Yeah? Who've left straight paths to walk in what? Dark ways. Who delight in doing wrong. Now, I don't always delight in doing wrong, but there are certainly people in the world that do who delight in doing wrong, rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked, who are devious in their ways. The darkness doesn't simply just give us a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding, but it also leads us to make choices that we regret. It leads us to make decisions we wish we never would have had, right? We all have been in that place, haven't we? We've all made those, those, had those ideas, those thoughts, and then all of a sudden taken them one step too far. We've been caught in behaviors and patterns, right? And that leads us to the third piece of what darkness causes. It's this experiential darkness, misery and death. Misery, might, we might even say, is bondage. It's, it's not only have I done something wrong, but I can't seem to shake myself free from that wrong. Or when death happens in our lives and we just can't seem to get away from its effects. It lingers. When you lose a loved one, it lasts, doesn't it? Right? Death and misery, bondage, it it holds us. It's not like I'm making a decision, but it now feels like I'm constrained, right? It feels like I'm imprisoned by something. Psalm 143 says this, the enemy pursues me. Right? This has been the story from the very beginning. Satan pursues us, pursues any bit of God's creation to destroy, to, to hold it in bondage. The enemy pursues me. He crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in darkness like those long dead. It's that feeling of, ugh. right? You ever get that feeling? I'll put it in your own language, right? <laughs> the, ugh makes me feel long dead. So my spirit grows faint within me. Have you ever just felt weak, hopeless, helpless? This is what darkness causes in us and in our world. My heart within me is dismayed. Darkness has an experiential character. Not just a knowledge, not just a, a moral, but also an experience. We all feel it. We all know it. We need a light to shine. And ultimately, darkness needs to be judged. There's a judicial element. God cannot let darkness persist, cannot let sin win in the world, and so he has to judge it. There is judgment and wrath in this. 
We hear in the scriptures in Zephaniah, an Old Testament prophet, writes this, that day, the day of God, the day of Christ, will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of trouble and ruin, a day of darkness, gloom, a day of clouds and blackness. This is judgment upon evil, judgment upon sin, judgment upon death itself. And in Matthew, Jesus says, Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Darkness pervades life. It hits every nook and cranny of our being. It hits every nook and cranny of every social system. It hits every nook and cranny of our businesses, of the places we play and the things we enjoy. Darkness pervades in the corners, in the closets, and sometimes an overwhelming sense that covers us like a blanket. So what do we do? Where do we go? Jesus is trying to help the people see. The people thought, we're not living in darkness. We just celebrate, right? We've got it all right. We don't need help. And Jesus is saying, yes, you do. You don't get it. You don't see. You judge by human standards. And if this is true, if darkness pervades everything, your human standards is tainted with darkness. So you don't get it. You need to be rescued. Jesus isn't sitting here judging them. I don't, I pass judgment on no one. Jesus came to not judge, but to bring life into the world and bring it abundantly. And yet he has to help them understand and he has to help us understand the darkness pervades. We call this in reformed church circles, total depravity, right? This is the tea of tulip for those of you who want to know a little bit more about the, the, the canons of Dort. I won't go any further. But total depravity is such that darkness and sin invades and infects everything. There is not an ounce or smidget of creation that isn't affected and infected by sin. We are bound by that. We are held by that. We do things that are dumb. (laughs) And sometimes we do it on purpose. Sometimes we can't help it. Things are done to us that are dumb. (laughs) Sometimes we put ourselves in those positions. And sometimes we haven't done a thing to deserve it. We can't get away from it. We need a rescue. And here Jesus stands. As physical lights go out. As a a switch is flipped, here the light of the world says, the light never goes out because the light is in me. God is continuing to lead us through a wilderness that is life. So a couple quick questions for you. How do you see and experience the effects of darkness today in your life? And in the world around you? How do you see some of the the moral decisions, the lack of knowledge? How do you see some of the the bondage and the misery, some of the death? How do you see some of the judgment that takes place where darkness is pervading? How are you experiencing that today? And with that, what are some of the ways we shut out the light? Right? That's the thing about light. I don't know, you know, we're just getting past snow on the ground. I'm not saying we're done with it, okay? Because the minute I say that, we're going to get like, you know, cancellations all around and a foot and a half of snow. But it's that, that thing in, in, in the middle of winter, even when we think it's light and you walk outside 
and your eyes have to adjust to the snow because it's like blinding, right? We want to put sunglasses on, right? It's, it's when, the, when it is dark and we flip on the lights, we have to adjust. And a lot of times we'd rather go back to the dark than stay in the light. What are those ways where maybe we push the light out and away? Because again, Christ, verse 12, we hear him say this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, right? Whoever follows me, not not other people, not yourself, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That even though we're caught in a world where darkness pervades anything, anything and everything, that somehow in Christ, we don't have to be owned by the darkness. Somehow in Christ, the effects of that darkness don't have to control us. Somehow in Christ, we can actually be free from all that junk that maybe the light is that strong. Right? And we'll have the light of life. He went on to say, I'm the one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Right? It's, he can say this because he is God. He is the one who led the people through the wilderness. He is the one who has shown up in person, standard, standing underneath these huge colonnades of life. He is the one who continues to show himself and reveal himself to us through his spirit. To say, I am the one. And I have all the authority to testify about this because I am God. And that's the make or break decision, right? That's the watershed moment for every one of us. Will we let him be God and define himself or will we put him in our courtroom of judgment to decide whether he's right or wrong? Will we accept or will we criticize, critique, even judge? says, I am. We're all going to have to deal with that. Zechariah, again, an Old Testament prophet near the end of the Old Testament, says this, on that day, on the day of the Lord is, is what it was called. On that day there will be neither sunlight nor cold, frosty darkness. I love that verse, right? On the day when God comes, on the day where his kingdom breaks through, there's, there's neither going to be sunlight nor cold, frosty darkness. Oh, that brings me back to the Chronicles of Narnia, and I'll leave it there in the silver chair, but it'll be a unique day. When God breaks in, it'll be a unique day, a day known only to the Lord, with no distinction between day or night. When evening comes, there will be light. On that day, living water will flow out of Jerusalem, half of it to the east to the Dead Sea, and half of it to the west to the Mediterranean Sea, in summer and in winter. Right? We know what happens to water in winter here. It freezes, but not in that day. Not in the day when the sun comes. Streams of living water will flow out of Jerusalem. The Lord will be king over the whole earth. On that day, there will be one Lord, and his name, the only name. Well, guess what, folks? That day has come in Christ Jesus. That streams of living water were now flow out of Jerusalem to the ends of the earth because light has come. 
because the stream of living water that the Holy Spirit would bring into each and every person's life that in, when we believe in Christ would be real, that darkness will no longer have its day because the light will shine even in the darkness. Not only has that day come, we know that day will come to fruition. Revelation 21 says this, A city does not need the sun. And this is the city of God as, as John speaks. John, the beloved disciple, looks ahead to the, the day when sin is, is, is laid to waste. And we are in the complete and utter perfection of God's creation again. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And what? The Lamb is its lamp. Jesus, who says, I am the light of the world, not only is the light of the world, continues to be, but will be forever. He is that light for us. The nations will walk by its light. The kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. Everyone will recognize this. Paul would say that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And on no day will its gates ever be shut. Right? Gates are made to protect, but no longer will those gates be shut, for there will be no night there. There's that light and dark. The glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And how are our names written in that book? Simply by the fact that we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. And we believe in our hearts that he is the one who has saved us. The light of the world. Folks, darkness pervades everything. We need a light. The question is, do we believe that? Do you and I believe we need light every day? We need light to shine in us and through us. And then if we know that light, that we are participants in bringing that light and showing forth that light in the world in which we live. So in what ways are you allowing if you do believe that Jesus is the light, or you're even wondering about if Jesus is the light, in what ways are you allowing that light and life of Jesus to shine into your life? Is it by being in Christian community, right? And, and go, being around others who know the light that is Jesus and saying, you know what? I need others in this journey. We've talked about through the last couple of weeks, is it maybe reading the actual Bible, picking it up and starting to hear the story of Jesus? Letting the scriptures live in us. Is it maybe just starting to pray and say, God, I don't know. I mean, this is the beauty of God. He accepts all of our prayers. He accepts our, 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 our own distress, our, our prayers that are, that, are, that are kind of doused in tears. He accepts the prayers that we have as theologically correct. And he welcomes us to talk to him. Lord, I don't know what it means that you're the light of the world. Show me the light. Right, Because anytime we ask him to show us that he's the light, it means that we're not trusting in our own idea. We're not trusting in our own selves. We're not trusting in something and someone else. Maybe it's in prayer. What is it in your life? How are you letting and allowing the light of Christ to shine in? And if we do believe then, because Jesus calls us what? The light of the world. Not only is he the light of the world, but we are, we are that same light. We're a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And he says, don't, don't put that light underneath a bushel. 
Don't hide that light. How are we participating in showing the light? How are we participating in sharing that light in our lives? Maybe it's just in some simple actions of advocacy. Maybe it's in some simple, simple ways of, of showing kindness and grace to those around us. Maybe it's in some ways where we say, you know what, I'm actually uh, going to risk sharing what I believe about Jesus because I've been, I've been hanging out with my friends. We've been talking about some of this, and I know I need to take that one extra step. But man, that's, I'm scared to take that one extra step. I've been there. I still get there sometimes because I don't want my friends to leave me, right? I don't want my friends to go, oh, you're just one of those Jesus people. <laughs> but sometimes I just have the courage to, to trust that God is the light that will change their hearts. I'm not. All I do is share the good news of what he's done for me. That's all it takes. How can we participate in showing the light of life that's meant to bring light in the world? Darkness is all around us. It invades us. It infects us. We cannot run from it. Hits every social system. Touches on every area of politics. It touches every one of us. Right? It hits every church. Every established organization called the church and every house church. Sin is pervasive. We are all in need of a rescue. We are all in need of the light. Will we let that light shine? Because the light has come. And he refuses to let us go. That's his love for us. That's the good news. Let's pray. God, thank you again that you rescue us from darkness. That as we hear in John 1, you have come into the dark. The light has come into the darkness. And the darkness doesn't comprehend it. So the reality is, God, we need your help for us to see. We need your Holy Spirit that helps us see. God, to open our eyes, to open our hearts, to open our minds. We need your Holy Spirit to break us free from some of the bondage and the misery we experience. We need your Holy Spirit to give us peace as we face even death. God, shine your light in our lives. Reveal yourself clearly to each one of us. Lord, help us see. And then as you have called us to be light in the world, Lord, God, you haven't called us to do everything. You simply called us and placed us in our own unique spaces, places with the people that you have put us into touch with, in contact with. God, help us shine a light in real, simple, practical, everyday ways. In the kindness and mercy and compassion and phone calls and simple acts of service. Help us to shine your light, Lord, in standing up for those who cannot stand for themselves for fighting against systems that continue to enslave and hold people in bondage. Lord, to contest, to push for, God, hope to push for, God, the, the valuing of each and every person 
to push for the valuing of your creation. Lord, this in your light far goes beyond policies. It goes beyond ideals. And while it invades and, and speaks into all of those things, Lord, there is, there's a kingdom, your kingdom, your new creation that's, that you're intending to bring to earth. Help us, God, simply taste and see the goodness that you are and participate in the goodness that you are seeking to bring. God, we can't do this on our own. Our human ways are, are fallible. Our, our God, sometimes just completely helpless too. But empowered by you, God, we can see that kingdom come. So again, move in our hearts, move in and through us as well, and continue to shine your light bright. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We invite you to stand as we sing one more song.
I don't always like the light. The light shows me things that I don't want to see, and oftentimes I hide and hide from. But if I understand that Christ is for me and not against me, if I understand that the God of the world, the light of the world, is trying to shine light and life in, the question is, will I want to hide in my darkness and stay there and and, and and sit in the things that eat at me or will I step into a life and a future that he has for me? Right? Because God's got a future for us. He has a life for us. And it is Christ. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May you experience the smile of the Lord, the countenance of the Lord. And may he give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's children say, amen. Go in peace.